Hi, everyone, and welcome. Good morning. It is Children's Day in Japan, part of the Golden Week holidays. And this is Seek Sustainable Life. I am, or Seek Sustainable Japan. I am JJ Walsh in Hiroshima. And today we're talking with Ed in Nagano. Thank you so much for joining, Ed. Good morning, JJ. Thanks for having me. It's a beautiful day here in Nagano. Oh, good. And you're going to show us around in a minute. I'm really excited to walk around with you. Uh, now, just to give people a background,、uh, Ed and I met at the amazing Minka Summit in、uh, rural Kyoto about a week ago. And I was so impressed, Ed, with all the projects that you're doing and all your insights on Minka. So, you're going to show us around your Minka and then take us to another Minka that you've been working on, right? The other one's not a Minka.、Um, we、okay. do have it. We do have two other Minkas. One of them is、um, somebody's renting it at the moment. I don't want to just go into their house without,、uh, but they're away.、Um, so we have two other properties that we rent out、um, at low rents to,、um, to try and allow people to come and check out village life in the countryside and、uh, winter, especially,、um, in the hope that they will then stay here long term, maybe buy a house in the village. So I'm going to show you one of those, which is、yeah. um, a young lady's renting at the moment.、Um, And give you a quick walk through our village as well, yes. That sounds great. Yeah.、Uh, do you want to show us around your house a little bit first? Sure, I'll try. I'm on my phone, so the, the, the limitations are, are there. But,、um, so, this is, this is kind of the room that we have,、um, which is our winter room, which is the, most, the warmest room in the winter with a nice big pellet stove. Hang on, let me turn some lights on. There we、oh, go.、Nice. And you did the double pane glass windows, right? Double glass, glass windows, 30 centimeters of insulation above the ceiling,、um, underfloor insulation as well.、Um, so it's kind, of a, it's kind of a living bedroom because there's just the two of us and the dog. So、um, this is the room that we keep、um, toasty in the winter.、Um, and this is where we spend most of our time in the winter. And for anyone that hasn't already met her, that's our dog, Iwa Chan. Hello, Iwa. She's gorgeous. She's- She's, she's a rescue dog, too, right? She's a rescued Tosa, yes. She was a, fight, a puppy mill for fighting dogs that they were going to put down because she couldn't have babies anymore. So we rescued her from Saitama. Yeah, she's a lovely dog. I had a chance to meet her, and she was kind of like the mascot of the Minka Summit. Everybody <laughs> wanted to meet her. <laughs> she seems to be the mascot wherever she goes. She's become the village mascot as well. Um, so that, I think in the poster, we have the great picture of you snowboarding, walking her. So she's famous in your village, too, right? Yeah. We,、um, so Nozawa is one of the few ski joes in Japan, if not the only one, I think, that you can take a dog up in the gondola.、Um, you pay 500 yen、um, and take the dog up, and then you can ride down. Now, if you've got a little dog, you can also carry little dogs on the, on the small lifts as well. But obviously, she's 60 kilos. So for us, it's a. It's a one time trip. We go up to the top of the gondola and then we ride down to the bottom. It's about seven kilometers.、Um, it's really good fun. She's exhausted when we finish, but yeah, it's really good fun and、uh, really unusual well, way to spend the day. To be able to run your dog when such a big dog, such a big area is so nice, right? Yeah, yeah. She loves it. She loves the mountains. She, she's, she's the, she, the mountains here, she just. We let her off the lead and she goes, and then she comes back once we whistle.、Um, yeah, she loves it. Absolutely loves it.、That's、She's、awesome. living, her best, living her best life in Nagano for sure. That's、so. awesome. 
Now you did some, <laughs> did you do plastering and any fixing of the wood inside? We did all the wood. So everything was typically, um, as many anybody that's bought a minker or looked at minkers in Premal know, when you look at them at the moment, they're covered in like fake plastic wood and drop ceilings and they're pretty, pretty showy um, all over really. So we ripped all the fake plastic wood off and raised the ceilings back up to these beautiful uh, wood ceilings, um, exposed all the beams, sanded down all the beams. They've all been um, stained and oiled. Um, the plaster, we we had our first go at Shikui um, on on plasterboard walls, uh, on, uh, sorry, on um, Chuchikabe walls. Uh, I can understand why people get paid good money to be professional plasterers. It's not easy, that's for sure. You get you get better as you go along, right? So you mm -hmm. you look at the first wall that you did, and you're like, I need to redo that. But the fifth wall, maybe I got a bit better, you know. <laughs> but we 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 in the end we went with kind of a wabby sabby textured pattern, um, and we kind of like it. <laughs> it's not it's not perfect, but very few things in in a kaminka are perfect. So it's, uh, it kind of goes with the whole thing. Did you add insulation in the roof or the floor? The floor space has eight centimeters of insulation underneath and then um, ply with plywood, um, vapor barrier, and then the flooring. And then there's about 30 centimeters of insulation above the ceiling. Nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you did a big kitchen remodel. It looks like the bathroom toilet as well, is that right? Yeah, so this is this is the main living. So this is the room we've probably done the least with, although we did um, insulate the floor um, and we did the ceilings recently um, and put some new walls in and plastered and painted. Um, same deal, fantastic, fantastic views and double glazed windows out over the village. Um, this one's a little office that my wife's in at the moment. Um, and then... We're going through towards the back of the house. We've got a walk-in walk closet. Is it, is it a two-floor or one-floor house? It's one floor, but it's kind of a complex. So this is the back of the house. And if I open the back door... Oh. It basically, what they did was there's a, there's a very old and beautifully um, conditioned Kura uh, on the right-hand side. And then there's a massive double level garage out the back um, and they join them all together with a walkway. So in snow season, you can walk from the front where the road is into the house without going through the garden and the snow. That's very smart. It's very, very smart. <laughs> Especially because I saw the pictures of you with the big snowblower. It looked like you had a lot of snow to deal with. 11 meters this year. Yes. That's a lot. A bit of snowblowers here generally cost more than people's cars. They're more important, for sure. Um, and it's one of the biggest considerations if you're moving to this part of the world. So the snow really is um, difficult. And it's also a massive consideration when you're buying a property. Some properties are easier. Some properties are, are really hard. Um, if your roof doesn't self-clear, you are going to be on the roof very regularly, shoveling snow off the roof. Um, if your yards and the driveway is really long, you haven't got any covered parking, then there's going to be a lot of digging your car out and a lot of time spent um, with the snowblower here. Yeah. Um, 
So we've made a lot of changes to this. I remember you saying that about the roof. I'll show a picture of the the house. Um, so it has this nice, beautiful slanted roof. Um, yeah. But, so, but you said you have to get up on the roof and get the snow off. Otherwise, so, it'll yeah. collapse. Is that right? The first one you showed was our um, our starter minka, our first house in the village. Um, that one is self-shedding completely, so all the snow just slides off. Um, the current house, which was the second picture you showed, um, most of that is self-shedding, but we kept some snow stoppers on there in, in the area above the Genkan, so there was no danger of um, people stepping outside and being crushed by snow falling off the roof. Um, so... Those little areas we have to get up there and we clear off by hand, but we've made it so much easier. Last year, I had both properties to deal with, and this house had snowstoppers all over it, so I had to dig both uh, this roof out completely. Never again. Never. Again. And then you have this cute little funky house. Um, is this another one that you've taken on? So that's the house we're going to go and see. That's Roe Chan's place. Um, that's the funky cottage, as we call it. Um, and that is completely self-shedding. You can see the roof's definitely made for, for winter. Yeah, it seems like a good shade uh, shape to let it yeah. drop off. It all just falls off really nicely. Yeah, um, nice. anything, anything else you want to show us in your house before you head out? Uh, sure. The um, one, of my, one of our big themes when doing the house um, has been sort of recycling and reusing. Um, so there's a thing in a lot of Kaminka in this area, I don't know if it's a whole Japan thing, but it's a, it's, um, it's a rice storage container called a kamibitsu. Um, so it's, it's like a huge wardrobe with wooden slats down the front. Um, and we had two in this house and it's really nice wood and I didn't want to get rid of it. So we reused the slats to make this floor. Oh, how cool is that? It has the writing on it. Yeah, that was hard. I had to sand around it and then remark it as well. Um, and then over here in the corner, you might have been six, it's quite dark. But there's, this is the little slots that they use to um, take the rice in and out. Um, so reused, reused the, the slots there. And then we've built this entire kitchen um, out of the rest of it, basically. That is really cool. Um, we used some, some more slats for the doors. Um, I mean, kitchens are often a big consideration when it comes to the financing for a house and stuff. And with a bit of time and a bit of recycling and a little bit of help from a friend of mine, we built the entire kitchen for, uh, for 400 bucks. So $400, so that's Yomman? Yomman, Yomman, including the wooden slabs for the top. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. So, the, now, you know, just, people are always asking about how much it costs to renovate a Kaminka. If you do some of the work yourself and if you recycle, it doesn't have to cost too much. So I'll just show some of the before pictures of your house. So this was the before living room. Yes. <laughs> and then the before clutter. Now, inside the before clutter, uh, like I see some uh, fudoshiki and other elements that you could probably keep and reuse, but you probably had to throw out a lot, right? About five tons from this house, yeah. Ah! And then the before kitchen. So you kind of changed it around, added more wood instead of the plasticky stuff. It looks a lot nicer. All and the wood that's there in the ceiling. Holy moly. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, all the wood that's there is the original wood, basically. It's, it's stuff that we've actually just removed the, the horrible coverings and then just um, opened it up. Uh, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of grinding. It's a lot of sanding. It's a lot of varnishing. It's a, it's a lot of work, but worthwhile. This, this is the sh before shed. So maybe this is where the walkway is. Mm. Any, anyway, I like that wooden barrel in the in the side of it and i was wondering if you kept the barrel it looks like an old like show you barrel or miso barrel or something like miso that. barrel we've got loads of them oh, yeah. if you want one come and pick one up we've got loads i'm coming <laughs> it'll be only what nine hours drive <laughs> <laughs> when i was talking about the kamibitsu just in case anybody doesn't know what it is that's the frame of our second one which we've basically kept in place and used as a, a massive, very, very fancy wood um, coat rack uh, in the That's game camp. really beautiful. I love that you reused the wood. Fantastic. And my, my, my wife says I've got a serious wood problem, but she's probably right. It's so do you want to take a walk through the village? Though. Huh? Yeah, let's do you go. Take, um, just quickly, this is the outside of the house. So that's that's the main house. Did and you then, put like a stain on the wood? Because the before pictures, the wood looks really dry and damaged. Yeah, so I had to. Better. I had to wire brush all of it, and then um, it's got two coats of uh, like an outdoor stain on it to try and protect the wood. And then that is the kura. So this um, is your same property, these buildings as well? Yeah, so this is basically the courtyard where the three properties meet. So that's our garage. It's a double, double ga um, two-story garage with like an office space above and then garage and workshop below. And then uh, that's the Kura, which one day will become an apartment when I've got the time and energy. Um, and then this is the house. Great. And did you have to do any major repairs on the roof or any, the roof any was good. expensive things? The windows were the most expensive part. How much was the sale and the remodel uh, cost? Can you give us a ballpark? So because I did most of the work myself and we've, and we've still got some to do, um, but buying the place and remodeling has cost us so far about... Um, Eight million yen. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> where else? Where else can you get a massive property with with this view? For eight no, because it includes all the land around, right? It's not just the house is basically free usually, right? Yep. You just buying the land. That's great. Do you you grow any vegetables? Have any farmland as well? No. We have we, we we have little bits of farmland that we could use, um, but we're totally not farmers. So the deal is with the with the people in the village, they grow more than enough vegetables for anybody in the world to use. So they they provide us with vegetables and I bake scones and other stuff every now and again and go and drop it off with them. That's awesome. I saw you with a bunch of potatoes and you, you, said, you said your dog was going to eat it. They look like good potatoes. Iwa eats a lot of potatoes, and one of the neighbors had planted too many, couldn't be bothered to dig them up, so they came and told us, and we dug them up, and we basically kept them for the dog, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're going down the steps now. 
So okay. going, down, going into the valley at the front of our house is part of the village. And then over there in the distance, you can see the, the little funky cottage. That's where we're going to head. Oh, nice. And it looks like rice fields in between? Yep. It's all rice paddies and uh, hatake, so agricultural land um, around here. Um, and you said you're in like a really rural area of Nozawa. There is Nozawa Onsen is more touristy or populated, right? Yes. So we're five minutes down the valley, uh, down the hill from the from the main Nozawa Onsen village, but we still have the Nozawa Onsen um, postcode. Um, and yeah, property prices in the village are it's pricing everybody who's not an investor basically out of living there. Um, so, um, and we, we kind of, it's kind of been closed as well. It's a beautiful, beautiful town um, and definitely worth a visit, but it's kind of um, enclosed. There's a lot of people living very close to each other, very narrow streets, very traditional. Um, so we kind of like the open space of being down here in the village. And obviously property prices are way, way, way lower. <laughs> pictures of Ed's place. So he was showing us his place that he's living in now. Um, behind the tree, you can see uh, the other buildings in the property. He says he's got a storage house, uh, another house he wants to make into a guest house. And then the house in the foreground is the one that he's remodeled and they're living in. And it's connected by a walkway. Oh, it looks like we've lost him completely. <laughs> Maybe he'll come back soon, I hope. Um, but the pictures, this is an after picture of the bathroom remodel that he did. So he did, sounds like, most of the work by himself and with a friend. They did a beautiful job uh, on the white plaster walls, on the, the re- not it was the original wood but they varnished it and polished it and sanded it down so they did a really beautiful job with that here's some other photos um after so one of the things that was interesting to talk with ed about at the minka summit was that he um took over not only his own property he was saying just now that he bought the property, the land, and did the remodel for about 8 million yen. So really, really good price for that big area. And then uh, when we met at the Minka Summit, he was saying that he took over two other properties and did some renovations on it in order to rent it out so that people could try out li living in a Minka in Nagano. And I thought it's such a great idea it's um, a great way for people to go and stay in an old minka and uh, see how they like it. Oh, he's back on the computer. So we lost you on the phone, but uh, you're back on the computer. Thanks, Ed. <laughs> can, you, can you hear us? Did you, you run back? Yes, I'm knackered. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, no, that didn't it's work. Worth it was a good experiment. Thanks for coming back to us. Yeah, That's all right. No problem. So uh, I was just trying to tell about the houses that you took over. So you took over, besides your own house, which you bought and renovated for 8 million yen, 
Then you took over two other properties, is that right? So the, the one with the steep roof you showed? Yeah. That was our original house? No, the other one, the black roof. Uh, this one, yep. Yes. So that was our first house when we moved here. Um, whew. It's a long uphill run. Um, <laughs> so, so this was your first house, and you said you didn't have any major repairs on the places, so the roof was intact. Uh, just the windows were the biggest expense. Is that right? On, on this current one, yeah. So on the first one there, so that's yeah. an original 100-plus-year-old Minka, um, and then the previous owners jacked it up two meters. Yeah. The entire house. It's amazing. That's amazing. Um, so they didn't live there in the winter, so they needed it to be winterproofed, basically. A lot of houses in Hawaii and you see around Asia in the tropics as well, they put up the house to keep it cool. Mm. What would be the purpose of putting up the house in a cold place like Nagano? Is that it, for more insulation to keep it warm? They Because they didn't live there in the winter, they basically wanted to be able to leave it and the snow not do any damage. Oh, okay. And then have parking underneath. So the underneath is 100 square meters of workshop and parking, yeah. Wow. And how much was this property? Um, it probably owes us about the same sort of money after we did the renovation because we opened the roof up um, and we built one uh, bedroom up in the, in the roof space, um, insulation. That's is that... Is that this one where you... That's, the one, that's the one in the roof space, yeah. Beautiful. So you exposed the beams and you did plastering. Is that right? So that this one is exposed beams and most of the plaster work is basically is plasterboard. Um, because underneath that is um, kayabuki. Kayabuki is? Thatch. Thatch. Oh, my goodness. So behind that is 30 centimeters of thatch, all soaked in a hundred year of, of soot. <laughs> and then this, is that the same property? This that's uh, the same room. Same room. Yeah. So, so did you replace the windows up here as well? There were no windows there originally, but we needed light for the room. And luckily there's um, an exposed area on the one side of the house. So we put some windows in there. Um yeah, that turned out, that's really, I mean, it's increased the, the, the square meter of the house by 30% by adding that upstairs. And is this original wood flooring? The wood looks good. The wood, I, I did a demolition job for a guy last year who was um, smashing down an old Minshku, and I recycled that wood from there, yeah. That's awesome. That's so great, right, to find these high-quality materials that would cost you a fortune if you bought it new, right? How much of that Minshku got scrapped that was reusable? I just didn't have the space or the, the time to save it all. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. And then I have a picture of the garden, the outside, uh, and you can see the old wood before you uh, did the treatment on the wood and the windows. So this was the before shot outside of your house, right? The current house, yes, yes, yes. So did you do anything to the garden? Not yet. So that's the next, um, The next, well, I mean, I've obviously given it a, a beaver, cut, uh, trimmed it down. Um, but um, that's the next big job is getting the garden. Um, it's kind of wild at the moment. Um, so trying to make it a bit more usable for barbecues and 
and stuff but, uh, but here's here's the after so you can see how the wood looks so much better yes and it's, it's got a longer life ahead of it now it's been restained and stuff so yeah it's... yeah it looked in the before picture like it was not gonna last too much longer well, the house has been empty for eight years when we moved in so. okay that makes sense and then tell us a little bit about the funky house that we had to give up on visiting so, um, so yes um, so the first house you saw was the one with the black roof. That's the one we've just been talking about, the Jack Top Minka. That was our first house when we moved to the village two and a half years ago. Okay. We love that house, but it didn't have the countryside views that we really, really wanted. And when we were walking the dog, we found this house. Um, exactly. <laughs> and we were very wowed by the views. And um, I'm a big fan of Kura. Um, so... We, buy, we hustled a bit and managed to get in touch with the owners who weren't going to sell it, but then in the end sold it to us. Um, so we moved out of the first house into this house after spending eight months every day doing renovations. Um, and now in the, in the first house, that's now one of our rentals. So there's a really nice family renting there that I hope will stay in the village. That's the one. Um, family of five, uh, real nice people, work remotely. Um, hopefully they'll buy somewhere in the village. And then while all this was going on, two other properties became available in the village. Um, and so that's the funky cottage that you uh, showed a picture of, the one with the steep roofs. So that was originally a beso, so a second home. Um, and it's attached to a kaminka next to it. Um, not attached physically, but attached uh, by a family. Um, so um, one of the very nice guys in the village was... Uh, let us know as he, he saw we had more than one property. Um, and so he the deal was we could we could have the beso if we took the minka. <laughs> There's very much this feeling that Kaminka are more of a millstone than they are an asset in the countryside. Um, because land tax prices are higher if the land's vacant. So people don't want the knocks to knock them down. But obviously they are a lot of work, especially in the winter. So if if that's his property, he still has to clear the roof. He still has to snow blow it as well as his own house um, and pay the taxes and stuff like that. So so we said, sure, yeah, we'll do that. So we took both properties. Um, and the idea was always with the Beso to make it livable for one or two people and rent it long term rather than short term. Um, short term rentals bring in a lot more money doing Airbnb and things like that, but has no real benefit to the village. Um, whereas somebody living here full-time who gets involved with the community projects and does the village duties that we all have to do every uh, couple of months, um, that's and maybe we'll once again buy a place in the village or maybe even buy that place off me, who knows. Um, trying to bring people into the these villages that are the population decreasing rapidly um, is really the whole the whole point of this project. Um, it sounds it sounds like a really good way to get people to to try out living in the rural area and try out living in a minka. This is something that I've talked to a few people about who moved from the city out, totally moved out to a rural area to try to make it work, not only uh, for living there, but a business. And mm. what they recommended was go and stay and visit many times before you buy something because you might not connect or feel good about that community for some reason. Um, yeah. Did you do a similar thing before you moved there? We totally didn't. <laughs> and we totally looked out. 
Um, we we came to came to this area and several other areas in Nagano, Gunma, and etc. The, the, my criteria was good snow, and and countryside. My wife is not a big fan of the snow, um, so she was like, "Look, we can yeah, exactly." <laughs> this, is, this is your house in deep snow, right? That's the view from the valley up to our house. Yeah, 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 yeah. and that, you can only see the house because I've spent every day snow blowing the front of it. Otherwise, you would not be able to see it at all. Amazing. <laughs> but for people who love snow, it's, it seems like a perfect place. It's heaven. It really is. And this, I mean, Nozawa is the most famous ski joe in the area, but there's loads of other small, tiny ones here that are just as good and nowhere near as crowded. One of my local ski joes, there might be 10 people there when I go, even on a big snow day. And it's itchy man for a season pass. What? That's a hundred dollars. Uh huh. Not even a hundred dollars at the current rate of exchange, about eighty-five bucks. That is nothing for a season pass. Yeah. So all the lifts and everything, and you can take your dog on the lift as you well. You can't take your dog on the lifts. There's only three lifts. It's only a little ski joe, but they okay. don't they don't groom in the in the um, in the week. So whenever there's deep powder, there's just deep powder. It's just, for snowboarders and off off country skiers, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, anybody anybody who looks at your Facebook feed sees a lot of envious snow um, as you're out enjoying powder every day, right? Mm, this it's it's very much a, a mixture of um, going snowboarding in the morning for a few hours because I'm not twenty anymore, sadly. Um, and then I come back, have some lunch, maybe go to the onsen, and then snow blow in the afternoon so I can actually get my car out again the following day if I want to go riding. So I do try and post some of the the snow blowing stuff as well as just the joy of snowboarding because um, it is a lot of work. And this all ties into why we're trying to get people to come and stay here. So um, you, you asked me about how, what we did. We basically found a property, loved it. It ticked all our boxes. We moved in. Now, I know a lot of people haven't had the same experience we've had where they've moved to a place in the countryside and everyone's been very welcoming and friendly and it's been quite easy. Um, we were the first gaijin to move into our village and it was amazing. Everyone's been mind-blowingly welcoming since we moved in, since day one. Um, but we looked out as well because that house, the first house that we bought is probably the easiest snow clear in the village. And that was totally by accident. <laughs> um, so we, we were very, very lucky. So my the idea is to get people to come and live here uh, for a short time. Because also, if somebody buys a house here and then does a season and says, it's too much, the snow, I can't deal with it, that doesn't benefit anybody. It doesn't, it doesn't help anybody at all. Your advice that you were giving is 100% right. Yeah. Go and visit a place many times. If you can... Stay there, rent somewhere there, live there for a short while. Not only will you get to know the local people and see if it's a fit for you, but if you do get to know the local people, properties that are not on the market will open up to you. Yeah. So many houses are not advertised. I've heard that so much that if you if you are interested in an area, you keep going back, you keep talking to the local people, you keep saying, I'm interested in renting something or I'm interested in starting a little cafe or you just keep saying it and keep showing up. And then eventually you'll start hearing the inside tips about places that might be open, right? Yep, for sure. I mean, we this place was not going to be on the market. Um, the the Akia in Nozawa had just started, um, and 
it was a guy in the village who was actually managing it for the for the uh, for the village, um, and this place was not going to go onto the Akia, um, and they weren't you know they weren't motivated sellers. But once we contacted them and said, look, you know, we're, we're interested to take off your hands. We did it just after the end of the winter when they'd have to pay to have snow clearing done and all this sort of stuff. Um, with a bit of negotiation, um, they were happy to, uh, to pass it on. Um, people in the village thought we were insane. Um, people were asking us, why are you? Because it's, it's possibly the oldest house in the village. Um, People were asking us, why the hell are you buying this freezing? When we moved in, it only had shoji windows. There was no glass. Oh, my gosh. Um, and people were living in here. I had AC and shoji windows. How? I don't know. Um, that, how did they survive? They didn't even have, like, a fireplace heater. Um, there was a couple of Iori, but they were covered by the tatami. Um, so it was basically a, an AC, a warm and cold AC, and um, kerosene heaters. Wow. So it, it looks like it's really cold in winter. How is it in summer? Is it pretty comfortable? Yeah, well, Kaminka are built for, the, for this uh, sort of living. So what we actually find at the moment is it's way warmer outside our house than it is inside our house, even when it's sunny. Yeah, um, we, we find that too in Hiroshima for our place. Yeah. The thick walls, um, not, I mean, even though we've put massive windows in, not so much um, so bright sunlight coming in and stuff, all these things help to keep it cooler in the in the summer which is for that three weeks in august it's a godsend yeah yeah sure. it really yeah my my son was complaining because he's like inside the house it's a really warm day like 25 degrees yesterday outside and really kind of chilly inside and he's like i have to put on a hoodie and i was like you'll be happy for that in a month's time <laughs> when it's too hot outside right <laughs> we're giving this is our first summer in this house and so we're giving it a try without ac um and we'll see how it goes yeah, great. Uh, yeah. Question from Get Hiroshima. Thanks for joining. Uh, someone at the Minka Summit said that the Akiya Bank was a great place to make local connections and open up info networks as much as finding actual homes. So similar to what you were saying, right? Yes, yeah. Um, and what, what a few people have said to me, and it totally, totally is true, the difference between the Akiya Banks is made by one or two people. All it needs is one or two people working in the Akia, um, sort of um, working in the working for the Akia Bank that are motivated to make this work and proactive, and the difference is night and day. Some of the Akia banks, they're not. I mean, they are. You know, they're kind of um, just government run and voluntary. You know, they're not designed by web designers and things like this. So some of the pictures can be a bit meh, and the information can be a bit meh. But if having someone in there who is responsive to emails. Um, positive and wants to um, wants to actually bring people to the local community makes a massive difference and those people are the people to speak to and they can they can introduce you to so many people yeah um, the iyama akia bank is fantastic there's a guy there who's super super forward thinking and really really keen to make things work when we look around places with the akia here he just take us, oh, there's an English guy living over in the other side of the thing. Let's go and meet him. So we just rocked up at his house and he just walked in. He's like, Richardson. <laughs> he was taking a nap at the time and then, then we've become firm friends. Um, oh, nice. So, yeah, these 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 are the people that make the big difference for sure. The, yeah. the proactive people. It was really nice to see some at the Minka Summit. There was the guys from Nantan there. Um, that's really great. That they're getting out there and advertising rather than just sitting back and waiting for people to come to them. 
Yeah, I'd love to hear more of your take on the Minka Summit in a minute. Um, but just one more question about uh, starting a business in the rural area. Sometimes when I visit these rural areas and you're like, oh, God, this would be a great place for a cafe. Like the, none of the oceanfront places are being used. Oh, I'd love to take one over and start a cafe. And then you meet uh, local people who say they're only allowed to buy the best properties with condition that they don't open a business, that they only use it as like a, a volunteer or education center or something. And so I just wonder, in your area, has there been any resistance to being an entrepreneur and starting a business to bring people in? Hmm. My only reason for thinking that people, uh, that that would be a rule in a community or in an area would be because um, investors had bought up all the best properties for people not to live in, but as businesses. Right. Um, yeah, which is the be, case, eh? which is what we were talking about up in Nozawa Village. Um, a lot of it is absentee owners, investors coming in. Young people can't afford to live up there anymore. Um, new families can't afford to buy a, a house in those hours. It's just impossible. Um, so that would be the only reason I could think of why they would do that. Um, I am sure 100% that um, I would get support from the local community if I wanted to open up um, something that was um, beneficial to the community, like a small cafe in my village and stuff. At the moment, there's not enough trade there to make it a viable business option. So it would be more, definitely more of a lifestyle slash loss leader to bring people into the community. Um, but um, yeah, that's interesting. I've never heard that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it, it might be dependent on the owner, like the particular owner, but um, it is an area like we're doing an event there uh, this month. Uh, so I'm trying to bring a lot of people there. It, it has a lot of young entrepreneurs, but there's still a resistance from some local people about development or changing too fast, right? So there's like more than half the houses are empty, but right. they're still very resistant to allowing outsiders to change it, right? Interesting, interesting. I think, I think, yeah, maybe, maybe approaching it more as a um, community project rather than a business. Um, yeah. Even though it's, you know, if it's going to be a business, it's got to be viable. Um, yeah. You know, showing how it can benefit the community, um, those things will really help to smooth the path forward. I think. Um, yeah. The Kaminka that came with the Beso down in the village here, for instance, um, Stephen, the guy who's renting my um, first property, um, he's he's going to take it on, um, and he wants to um, use it not, um, as a place where his family can stay if they come and visit occasionally. But also, we're going to convert it into a community space, so nice. so the yoga teacher can teach yoga in there. Nice, um, really Jap really nice Japanese couple who've just bought a Minka in the village, but a little higher up. She's a massage therapist. Nice. So you can do massage in there. Um, all these things that that space can be used for. And then that really, that really, I think, paves the way then for, for, um, for more expansion. Um, I think a lot of villages in the Akia, they, they are very resistant to having um, nobody in the household who can speak Japanese. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that's kind of understandable. There's a lot of paperwork to deal with. If something goes wrong with the house or in the village, there's nobody to communicate with. Um, so that's 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 going to be a big hurdle in a lot of areas. Um, well, you I, guys I, can act as a bridge now that you're there. <laughs> yeah, my Japanese is. Uh, I'm still learning for sure. Naomi's is perfect, but she obviously also has a full time job. 
Um, so, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. But then we heard that at the Minka Summit, right? A lot of people saying you want to be a part of the community. You want to show them that you're invested, but you also don't want it to take over your life, right? Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Uh, yes. At, at some point in the future, I hope to be the village eldest at some point in, in my future when I can speak much better Japanese. Um, but yeah, I mean, that 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 comes with several meetings um, and lots and lots and lots of uh, of other stuff for sure. Yeah. Uh, my uh, let's let's so talk uh, before I I do want your thoughts on the Minka Summit, but let's just mention that you were not always a mountain guy. <laughs> uh, you started a scuba dive business in Indonesia in this beautiful small island. Um, are you still going back and forth? Is that the plan? I haven't been back since we came. We moved here in December 2019, just before COVID hit. Um, I'd been living in Indonesia in Komodo for 11 years before that. Um, uh, I only went there for a week. Um, I was on my way to Australia, and I and I went to Bali. Somebody recommended Komodo because Bali was very ah. Um, so I flew to Komodo with a week plan for diving. And still not been back to England. Um, did 11, 11 years in Komodo. <laughs> Amazing. And you became a certified scuba instructor. I was a dive and... master already. Um, and then I became a, an instructor through necessity. Once I'd opened the little dive center on this tiny island, um, that was the dive center, literally built out of sand and cement, bricks made between planks. Um, the, island, uh, the island had... No, uh, electricity four hours a day, no fresh water unless it was brought in by boat, no internet connection. Um, wow. And I spent four years living in four bamboo poles with a grass roof. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a very interesting experience. And then I moved to the mainland and built a massive liverboard wooden boat. And then I lived there for another seven years. Is this the boat? That's the boat. That was the first boat we built, yes. Beautiful. You built this. I'm stretching the truth if I say I built it. Um, uh, the local carpenters and boat and boatwrights um, built it. It was the first of its kind to be built in our village, in our town. Um, we imported the wood from another area of Indonesia. The guys did it. I designed the layout and stuff and uh, helped where I could. But, uh, yeah, amazing. Two, a year and a half, two years of crazy carpentry. Absolutely beautiful. Such a beautiful ship. Um, so you've you've been deep under the ocean and high up on the mountains, like huge, huge contrast. Um, very, very Indonesia versus Japan. Like, would you love to go back and like have half of your life in each place? Mm, Is that the aim? After a while, Indonesia is a beautiful place, um, but for various reasons, it's it's a challenging place to live um, on a personal level. Um, so I always said that Indonesia and Japan create the, the perfect mixture of um, madness and sanity, um, cleanliness and, and, and messiness. Um, the, the, the two off balance each other very well. I think that'd be a great lifestyle for someone who hasn't already done 11 years in Indonesia. If you live in Indonesia for three or four months a year and eight months in Japan, perfect, amazing. Um, I will go back because I still own a big chunk of the company. Um, 
I'm supposed to be retired and living off the company, but obviously COVID is. Um, <laughs> um, COVID's been very hard for any travel-related industry, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a, a great question uh, from LinkedIn from Simon Azizi. Thanks for joining. I think the idea of reinvigorating Akia is a great idea, but at what point does it become futile if Akia represents a community while no longer there? So if the community is absent, um, it's difficult, right? I'm sure there are villages in the, in the out there in Japan um, that maybe they've reached that tipping point where the, the village is more empty than full. Um, I think... This is where going and living in a place before you actually move in, I think, will make the difference. You know, go and go and live there. See if there is still some community spirit and some um, potential there for things to grow. You can't do everything yourself. You don't want to throw your life into just that being your sole um, purpose for living. Um, and I'm sure, sadly, there will be villages that will disappear um, eventually. Um, I mean, the... The um, average age in, uh, um, in Japan is not getting any lower at the moment. So, um, But finding the right place that's right for you and that's still got enough um, potential and enough community spirit there, I think it's possible. It might work. It might not work. Who knows? Um, but it's, uh, it's fun to try. Um, and it's quite a feeling of accomplishment every time we – bring another person into the village who might actually make this their home. It not only adds to the numbers in the village and the people paying taxes and yada, 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 yada. What it does is it adds more ideas and more energy. Um, everyone's got a new idea. Some, you know, some people are coming in just bundles of energy with lots and lots and lots of ideas and, and really want to get involved, which is fantastic. And it only takes two or three of those people to move into one area or one community to make a massive difference. Um, so yes, um, without being um, fatalistic, um, I'm sure there will be places that, that do not make it make it through. Um, yeah. One interesting thing now, I'm sure you, you see this in your village as well, is the government is very supportive of keeping these rural communities alive. So mm -hmm. the government's so invested in trying to get people out there. Uh, trying to encourage new entrepreneurs, especially there's a lot of schemes for people under 40 yep. to get financial support. It's even like a monthly bit of salary if you um, get one of these subsidies. So that is nice to see that the government is kind of helping people transition out of the cities and uh, at least have a little bit of income while they're transitioning. I think that could really help, right? For sure. I mean, it's it's not an inconsequential amount of money. Um, one of the guys who's moving to our village, um, a couple of, of friends of mine who basically bought a Kaminka on my recommendation, they've still never seen it because of COVID. Um, and they will come as soon as the borders reopen. They instantly given $5,000 towards the renovations for moving into the area. Wow. Um, the number that the, the Japanese government has allocated for um, uh, countryside uh, regeneration is in the billions. Um, and this will make a massive difference to people, for sure. As long as that money is spent wisely and put into good projects, um, every area is different. You really have to do some research into that. Um, but uh, ev most areas will have some sort of funding or benefits. There might be some paperwork. There might be some jumping through hoops. Um, but it's there. It's out there to be used.
Yeah. Um, so do take advantage and, of it. And one of the big supports, I think, especially because a lot of people who transition out to rural areas, they will depend on their teleworking, working online yes. uh, income, right? Yeah. Um, is having good internet, good broadband. And like the place we're doing the event at in the middle of nowhere on an island, they just had really strong broadband put in. So that really attracts people yep. to try and live out there and telework because yep. you can, sure. right? One of the biggest hurdles to living in the countryside is that the countryside has very few jobs and what jobs there are are very badly paid. If you can find remote work, um, you can live in the countryside very easily. Yeah, wonderful. Another question, uh, thanks for the reply. Um, have you found that reinvigorating Akia is more popular amongst non-Japanese or the Japanese themselves? So we saw this at the Minka Summit, right? Yes. 300 people and most people at the summit were non-Japanese. Yep. So we're we're always asked this, and I'm sure you are as well, Ed, why are the foreigners so interested in Minka and the Japanese are not? <laughs> and it's it's more, I don't know. I guess we're coming from places that have a long tradition hmm. of remodeling houses, maybe. Yep. yep. I know in England, if, if I bought the same age of house in England, I wouldn't be able to put a nail in without filling out paperwork. Um, so move, the Japan thing has a, has a big, big benefit because I can do what I like to this Kaminka. Um, you can go the completely modern route. You can go the, the opposite route. But I think in Japan, the housing market here is very different to the rest of the world. 30, 40 years, a house is considered with no, of no value. Whereas in the rest of the world, you buy a house, it's an investment for life. So a lot of people look at these houses that are 100, 250 years old and think, you know, it has no value. There's no point in, in saving it. And also, if these are young people who are coming from the city, they're used to a certain amount of comfort and life. And it's hard to get that comfort in a Kaminka. There's a lot of work to be done and a lot of yen to be spent if you want to make a Kaminka up to 2022, uh, 20, uh, the year 2000 sort of standards. It's, uh, it's very hard. But... There are Japanese people moving. There are young Japanese couples interested. There are more and more people wanting to leave the city. And with COVID actually boosting the amount of companies that's allowing people to telework, it's only going to get better. Yeah. Definitely young Japanese families will be making the leap. And there are already. And those that are doing it, spread the word. Yeah. I, I did a informer Twitter poll and I said, would you consider moving to the rural area if you could find a nice house and property? And people are like, very appealing, but the number one complaint or worry was about bugs, <laughs> about insects. So tell us, Ed, have you been overrun with insects? No. <laughs> we get the kamimoshi uh, in the season, and it's like a wave that comes from the, from the hill, so we have to escort, ex uh, escort them outside again. Um, there are mosquitoes. It's the countryside. And we're surrounded by Tambo. Uh, for two months of the year, we get a very beautiful frog chorus every day. Um, there are bugs. There's always going to be bugs. But there's bugs in the in the city. You just don't see them as much. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, he says, as Seaman also from LinkedIn says, great point. No modern internet, no work. They're considering uh, a place in Niigata, although his wife is from Nagano. So maybe they're interested in Nagano too. Niigata's great. Depending on the area, it gets even more snow than we do. One one resort, we had 11 meters this year. One resort in Niigata got 20 meters. Wow. If you can All imagine. right, we got about eight minutes, Ed. I would love to get your insights from the Minka Summit. Any great takeaways from that experience? 
<laughs> I met some very cool people in a lot of car parks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we we visited one of the remodeled Minka together, and that was just stunning, wasn't it? How the young lady? Yes, I've and told her so about that house. Oh my yeah. god, gorgeous! Um, you so do, she, not, you do not find she a Minka. She added room. some natural light through the straw thatched roof. Yes, um, even though it was a metal cover. She somehow had a skylight, and it was just a beautiful remodel. It was great to see. Absolutely stunning. It was absolutely, absolutely stunning. Um, any any other good houses you saw? Mm, there was a lot of beautiful houses in that valley. Um, anywhere with a stream with fish in it sings to me. Um, I love fishing, so I, I could live there in a heartbeat. Um, and a lot nice to see very very different type of kaminka um not just the roofs and the, but the layout and the way they were made you could tell that they were made for a different kind of lifestyle than we have up here in the in the um in the deep snow country uh, yeah like one of one of the houses it's hidden behind a tree here but when you took us outside uh, the house next to your house which is part of your complex really looks like our house with the really? the wooden and the white plaster and like um, the Swiss um, two-door style kind of outside farmhouse look. Okay, so that, that's, our, that's our garage at the moment. <laughs> oh, that's your garage. But it, it, it's interesting to see the variety of Minka. Like Minka yep. is not all one exact look, right? No. It depends on the area. No, and the guy who was looking at going to Nagata, they, they're very famous for very big, very strong Minka. People are ex ex exporting the Nagata Minkas all over Japan because the the timber is oversized. They're very strong. Um, yeah, it's uh, the summit was amazing. Um, the guys who put the work into it, props to them. That's just incredible. Um, yeah, it's really good. Um, A little bit more vegetarian food would be nice to the dinner. Thank you for eating the pizza that I thought might be vegetarian and wasn't that I passed. <laughs> I tried to pick all the meat off it for you, uh, but it just wasn't yeah. I don't want to waste. I don't want to waste. Um, but it was just such a beautiful location, and it was it was a drive from Kyoto every day. What, but what a beautiful drive. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It was amazing. The whole area seemed very supportive hmm. of the summit going ahead and everybody coming in and surprised by all the interest. It would be great to see it continue. I would love it to continue. I would love to have one. Um, up in this area, um, we've um, we've got lots and lots of kaminka here, all all being done by different people on different budgets and stuff like that. It'd be great, and also different styles of kaminka as well. So, um, yeah, maybe in the future something in, in a different region as well. Um, but if they can keep that, if they've got the energy to keep that going every year, it's only going to grow for sure. Um, yeah. Now, Ed, Ed, you talked a little bit about uh, getting to know your community, and then you use some of the old uh, building materials for other projects. Um, how about getting people to help you with the work? Because some of the the remodel work is quite difficult to do by yourself, right? Yes. So that that is the dream. The dream is to um, find more and more houses in the village, um, bring them to a level where they're rentable and livable. Um, but not only to make that my project, but to actually try and get some funding from um, from the the regional uh, from the prefecture, and um, make it a community project. There there are so many um, 
massively still Genki uh, Oji-chan, Obachan, who are in their 60s to 90s here, who've all got skills that surpass mine, I'm sure. Um, and I would really like them to get involved. Now, I know during rice season, it's very difficult because they're all very, very busy. Um, but um, if I can just get one or two of those people to get involved, that would be amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. And that, that, about, that's, that's yeah. the dream. How about like getting students involved? Um, so working, collaborating with art students who can come use one of the Minka as a gallery or uh, students who wouldn't mind coming and volunteering a day and helping out with rice harvest or cutting weeds or clearing snow and stay and get some food or something in exchange. Mm, there are some yeah, ideas definitely. like that, right? Definitely possibilities for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my biggest problem is um, I... I am still trying to renovate this house. I am still kind of working for my business in Indonesia. And I don't speak hardly any Japanese still, even though I'm trying really hard. Um, so I really, need a, I really need a partner in this. And I'm hoping, and maybe they're out there watching right now, who knows, uh, that Stephen and Celinda, the guys who live in my um, stardom Inca, they're going to be the, the driving force alongside me, I think. Uh, Hope you guys don't mention, mind me mentioning your names. You guys are. That would be great, wouldn't it? Because there's only so much one person can do. Yes. But if you have a team and you all kind of have the same aims or goals, even if you do it a different way, it's so much stronger of a movement, right? Yep, definitely. Definitely. The more people we can get involved, the better, and the more progress we'll make. Um, my. Uh, Re regenerating this this amazing village that I live in, um, and it is amazing. I've absolutely fallen in love with the place, um, and it's been a dream to move here. Um, is is definitely a, a big priority for me, and also um, trying to stop this village becoming an overspill for investors from the from the ski village also um, will be a, a big big prospect because as prices uh, increase up there they'll more and more people will start looking down here but um yes a minishka in the village will be awesome yes one cafe in the village will be awesome um but mostly pe people living in the community and uh, actually you know living in their houses all year round and being part of the community i think that make make the big difference not not just people buying the houses and turning them into rentals like uh, short-term rentals i think yeah yeah, it's tricky, right? And I heard a, a few people at the Minka Summit talking about that. Um, if you have a commitment that at least if you buy it as a holiday home, share it as a holiday home to make sure the people are there at least every weekend mm -hmm. um, to be a part of buying stuff at the local shop, going to local eateries, kind of investing in the economy that way. Yep. But if it's a guest house or a, a beso, like you said, like a second house, that people only use like for a week of the year, that's really not building a, a good community, right? No. And if they're only using it for a week of the year, then renting it out on like a daily basis or whatever, then it's just a lot of it's a lot of strangers in the village constantly driving through who maybe are not as careful when they're driving down the tiny little roads as, as could be. It's just... <laughs> It's not something we don't that I personally have any problem with. I've worked in tourism and and, and dealing with guests for forever, but it's um, it's not as beneficial. We need we need a baseline of people here first to make that work. I think. Yeah. Um, Sounds good. 
Yes. And then if, if you have people running guest house who are there full time, then you can welcome in people who are coming for a short term and still have that base of a good community, right? Yes. And have people from the from the village providing the vegetables or somebody yes. who's a wicked cook, which I'm sure there are many in the village. I'm not one of them, um, can come in and do the cooking. Um, so a guest house adds 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 value to the area. We have, we have one already, a Japanese couple down in the village. They run a rider's house. So it's like for people on motorcycles. Motorbikes, yeah. They're an amazing couple. They moved to the village 25 years ago from Tokyo um, to, to run this guest house. And uh, yeah, they are. They're, he's, my, he's my hero. That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, you need a team. You can't. It's really hard if you're the only one trying to keep it alive, right? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And my, my long-suffering wife does what she can, but she has a full-time job as well. So. Yeah, yeah, which you're grateful for. Another stream of income, I'm sure, right? Hell yeah, during COVID, very grateful. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ed. That was wonderful talking with you and catching up after the Minka Summit. Thanks JJ, so it's amazing to meet you. I hope we get to welcome you in Nagano at some point. Wendy's joining us tomorrow for a few hours to come and look wonderful. around. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wendy's going to come down to my women's event uh, next week. So that'll be awesome to see her then. Yeah. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining. A great chat. I would love to. Uh, catch up again and talk about the Beso and the other people that you're renting to. It sounds like they have great stories as well. Yes, I can introduce you to the spiritual, spiritual pretzel that lives in our uh, rental cottage. <laughs> sounds awesome. Get that massage therapy, yoga, um, the guest house, the food, the farmers. You've got a whole great set of your community there. Mm, for sure, for yeah. sure. It's Thanks so there. much, Ed. Have a great day. Happy right, okay. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you, guys. I dropped the armor, now I'm bolder.